night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the show. Great to see everybody here tonight as we are getting ready to have a great discussion with Meredith Herrenbrook. Meredith is going to talk about family soul constellations plus NLP. If you're not sure what that is, we will talk about it. You'll find out. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back with Meredith. It's beyond reality. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Uh, welcome back to the show. Again, tonight we're going to be talking um, with Meredith um, Heronbrook. She's a coach, a writer, a speaker, an author. We're going to be talking about several things, including family, soul, constellations, and HUNA, and NLP. All these things we'll get definitions for. We'll understand them by the end of the program, and we're looking forward to this conversation. Meredith, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's a pleasure to have you here with us tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love it. Okay, so I threw out a bunch of things there. I said NLP. We obviously know that's that's uh, an abbreviation for something. We've got family soul constellations. We've got Huna. Let's break these down. Um, just give us an idea of what each of these things are, and then we'll uh, we'll get into some details. Absolutely. Okay, so um, as an overview, all of these are different modalities to get to the root cause of what is causing your problem. Now, your problem could be a phobia, it could be an addiction, it can be fear of the closet and whatever is going on. Um, so these are different aspects uh, or tools to help you figure out what the root cause is so then we can release it. So then it doesn't have to be in our awareness anymore and we can live a happier, more productive, better life. So NLP is uh, neuro-linguistic programming. It was developed in the 60s and, uh, by these two gentlemen who drilled down these beautiful questions to get to the source of some old awareness, some imprint that happened long ago and far away that is still happening for you. You know, like when you say you're triggered, you are pulling up a memory, and the thing is that memory, although we call it a memory, you're having it currently. You're having that experience currently. And so what we do is we uncover the history, the old belief systems and stuff that are keeping you stuck, and then we offer your body and your mind a better solution. So the old train tracks kind of start to dissolve, and then you shift into a newer, better, more appropriate reaction. Does that so, make sense? Yeah, it does. It, it does. And and when you said it'll it'll you know these 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 are um, modalities to help fix problems. We're talking about things that I could sum up as saying uh, maybe anxieties. Um, yeah. I mean, you mentioned phobias, fears, but also anxieties, right? Would that be fair to say? Absolutely, anxieties, even the smallest thing, or even if it's procrastination or, you know, what some people might call laziness. Um, you know, and the thing is, no one is actually ever lazy. 
I think it's all, I'm really coming into feeling that this is a misnomer because the more people I work with, uh, as with my clients, I learned that laziness is really a, a solution to a problem that happened long ago and far away often of, well, I tried my hardest and it didn't work or someone kept emotionally laying a lot of stuff on me and it was no fun, it sucked. And then they go, so why try? Because I'm just going to get a negative reaction, right? So the best offer that this person or this best solution was, I'm just not going to go after these things because it's not going to give me any reward. So when you talk about something that happened long ago, do you mean something that happened within an existing lifetime or are we talking about something more distant than that? Well, that's a very good question. It depends. Often it is childhood, but I will say that, you know, the stuff we come in with, I personally believe and have experienced so much in my life that reincarnation is, that it absolutely does happen. Um, so often the stuff we come in with, all these old belief systems and uh, histories and traumas from previous lifetimes, it is, you know, we kind of choose lives such that we can echo that those same patterns and belief systems. So in this lifetime, you can fix something that happened 5,000 years ago if you're in ancient Egypt. You know, uh, it doesn't really matter. So it can really, these root problems can come from anywhere. And I'm still constantly surprised, but I shouldn't be surprised anymore. Do all of, do all of these modalities come as a package, or are these separate disciplines that you've mastered separately? I have mastered them sep- semi-separately. Um, Family Soul Constellations and NLP was actually done with one school uh, in Northern California. And um, so they comp- the thing is, all of these complement each other so beautifully. And so, you know, NLP really deals with the mind-body connection, the neurology of how we're creating belief systems, surviving the best we can and, and, and taking the best offer we can. And then Family Soul Constellations deals with family energies, stuck energies from long ago and far away that we do not consciously know about, but we grab onto in effort to say I love you and fix the problem. But we end up just making our lives a living mess. And then we have Huna, which is very energetic, very uh, spiritual, if you will. Uh, Huna is Hawaiian spiritual-based healing, and I... Uh, learned from a kahuna in Hawaii over the span of three years. And, um, yeah, so that was fantastic. And that deals a lot more with ghosts, paranormal, entity attachments, and that sort of thing. And I'll tell you, all these three modalities are pretty complete as far as I've learned to help people with whatever they need, chronic conditions, anxieties, however big or small. Meredith, can I be very honest with you for a second? Yes. I had never heard the word kahuna used outside of the phrase, the big kahuna, until tonight. <laughs> and I'm really excited to, to know that that's a real world word and it means something. It does mean something. And it means seeing, the, or a kahuna is seeing or seer of that which is unseen. Wow, okay. Is that, so yeah. that, would that be similar to a shaman or a priest or something? Yes. Yeah, okay. That Absolutely. Makes... How, yes. how did you get started with all this? How did you discover it, each one of these disciplines, modalities, and get started with it? Well, it 
started a long time ago when I was growing up and I would have premonitions. Now, premonitions are being able to see things or have dreams in it way in advance of when something actually would happen in this timeline, if you will. And I would be able to see or have dreams six months in advance. And, you know, something would come up, and I'd go, I've seen this before. And I could actually track before someone would say a phrase, I, I already knew what they were going to say. And it was as if I'd watched the movie before. And so it just led me to question how the world worked. What happens? You know, does time exist? Do angels exist? I mean, just asking tons of questions. And so with my asking, um, I ended up, you know, going down this path, reading everything I could, and I ended up going to um, Nine Gates Mystery School and then, you know, meeting teachers upon teachers, and it just slowly unfolded. Did you did you realize at that point that you were going to be using these things to help people? Um, no. So in high, so when everything started to really come together, I I was in high school, and because I had so many premonitions that daily life was really confusing, and I didn't know what timeline I was in, like if I was in a dream or not. And it might just sound really bizarre, but I was really confused on what reality was. And uh, and so then I went to architecture at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, did architecture for many years, and loved it. And I, But I also realized that part of the reason I loved architecture was because I was sensing kind of the order of the way things needed to be. Um, kind of like how feng shui is. There's energy running in houses and property lines, and there's energy, you know, geomagnetic lines uh, all around the world. Uh, for example, Bali, all of their temples are on the, the uh, magnetic grid, except for one, but that was moved. So, you know, so it's like there's, there are a lot of shamans and a lot of, there's a lot of history of that, these things are real. And uh, anyway, so that's, it's been a very interesting path to kind of figure out from architecture how I reconciled it. I didn't want to do architecture in this other thing. And so I finally realized that I didn't want to be stuck behind a computer all day um, drawing lines. I really wanted to help people because I have a gift, this sensitivity, and um, and so this is what I do full-time, and I love it. And my clients are, I think, grateful and much relieved in their homes and in their personal lives. Tell me a little bit more about your sensitivities and your awakening to them. You said that you were having these premonitions and you could you could complete people's sentences. You could kind of uh, complete movies when you were watching them um, as a child. So this happened to you very, very early. Your awakening was very early. It was, but I didn't know how to make sense of it. And my dad was so supportive, and he says, you know, he didn't know what to say or do necessarily or guide me specifically, but he says, just let it come. Don't be afraid of it. And it will, you know, it'll sort itself out. And it was great advice, and but it took a long time and kind of testing to see what worked, what didn't work, uh, and so forth. But as I got older, the premonitions then became three days in advance. 
And for example, it's a fun little story. Uh, I was actually in, um, I was shopping and in a store, in like in a cooking store, and I was with a friend of mine, and all of a sudden, I felt like I was in the middle of a tornado, and I almost blacked out and almost passed into, um, you know, a big shelving unit. And I looked at my friend, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go outside, and you come out when you're ready. I didn't know how to explain it to her. I couldn't. It was right. too bizarre. And so she looked at me oddly and was like, okay. And I went outside, and I just sat, you know, I just sat with myself, and I asked, and I learned to ask myself questions or ask the universe questions on, okay, is this going to happen to me? Is this going to happen to my family? And I would get a sense of what it was. And so I didn't get full answers. I wasn't that honed in at that time, but I put my insurance and my driver's license in my back pocket, and I told my parents, and um, because I'd had some other premonitions that came true for them as well, and once they believed what I could do, uh, they said, call us whenever you need, you know, and, and we'll believe you and we'll be on your side. Anyway, so three days later, um, they called me and they said, oh, you know what happened was there was a funnel cloud that went through one of the properties and tore up some signage and some awnings and so forth, and that's what it was. Oh, wow. So it's, sometimes I don't always know where it's coming from, but now I, you know, I can hone in a lot better and get better information. Talk a little bit about trauma and how that plays... Uh, I guess, a role in being a source of some of these difficulties that you help people overcome. Can you rephrase that question? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> there are triggers, there are traumas that people are dealing with that, that these uh, therapies, these, these sessions help with. You help yes. people. Uh, and actually, you've experienced some trauma yourself um, yes. that you've gotten through. What types of traumas are we talking about, and how do these... Uh, modalities, how do these efforts help people through them? Okay. Thank you for that question. Um, what happens when someone experiences a trauma? There are many layers that the trauma sits in, if you will. You have the mental layer. This is kind of the NLP layer where you have the belief systems and how do I survive this situation? So when you come across something, we can call it PTSD or trauma or triggers and so forth. These are kind of resulting symptoms of the, the original experience, as we call the imprint. And so we, you know, when we come up against something that is maybe overwhelming or scary or horrible or horrific, our body and our brain is designed beautifully to figure out a set of rules so we can, when we come across it again, we know what to do, right? And not necessarily to do it well and with grace and aplomb, but all we need to do is survive enough to get to the next moment, right? If we didn't have memories and if we didn't have this, like, file system in our brain, we would be dead in five seconds, right? We have to have memories. We have to have emotions and all these things that are giving us feedback on what works and doesn't work. Are you following me? I am. And memory is essential to learning. You can't learn without memory. Absolutely. So when you are experiencing this, your brain says, okay, this sucks. 
what can I do? Do I need to duck and cover? Do I need to, you know, and it goes through the Rolodex of possible options. And then if it works, then we go, great, we file it away. And then when we see that similar experience, then we go, aha, I know what to do. And then, you know, and then we survive, right? Right. Here's the problem, though, and I'm just going to jump into this really quickly, is when you have this beautiful Rolodex, when do you think these original imprints happen? They're before your age five. 80% of our beliefs about ourselves in the world are installed before the age of three. Wow. Okay? So if you're surviving and you have this beautiful Rolodex, the Rolodex is pretty much fully functional by, at a three-year-old level. And now all the future survivals are replays of all the old stuff. Because what you survive, you end up recreating. Because you survived it, and you're like, great, I know how to do it. I can survive. This is amazing. But then you pull out the Rolodex, and now you're like 25 or 35 and in relationships, out of relationships, in jobs, get fired from jobs, and you go, what the heck is going on? Why am I, quote, sabotaging myself? Why do I have anxieties? Why, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Why do I have these problems? It's from old stuff, old installed input. Okay? Okay. So that's the mental neurological layer. Then we go, well, now we have emotional layer. We have emotional responses. We have happiness, crying, fear, anger, all these responses to, again, keep us alive and, and, and living and, and getting to the next point, okay? So, so there's the emotional layer that we have to look into. And, you know, what is, the whole question is, what are you still stuck on? Where is your awareness? What is keeping you weighed down, right? We, it's like imagining p- piling plates on your shoulders of all these experiences mm-hmm. and all these things that you have to keep surviving every day. Mm-hmm. And if you imagine the amount of things that we have survived for 40, 50, 60 years, that's a really huge amount on your shoulders. You're always checking to survive this, uh, survive an alcoholic parent, survive an angry boss, survive, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But when we start to let go and soften and go, we don't need to be aware of those anymore. We don't need to be phobic anymore. We don't need to be overwhelmed anymore because now we have, so what NLP does and all these things do is we make a better offer. We go, I'm sorry that happened. I am so sorry. And now we are bringing peace. We are bringing new options and better options that are more appropriate to your life now. And when we do that, then the old train tracks are being shifted, right? Mm -hmm. So we have NLP, and then we have the emotional layers. And then we have the family layers. This is one of the most important layers that I work with, and it is phenomenally fascinating. It is better than TV, I will tell you. Um, (laughs) It was developed by Bert Hellinger in, well, developed or discovered, if you will, uh, by Bert Hellinger in uh, Germany. I think he was a psychoanalyst. 
And anyway, so he role-played with one of his clients, and he kind of, quote, stepped into the role of the father, and then they were talking, and he says, okay, you know, what do you want to say to me, et cetera, et cetera. And so he was talking with his client, but then he started getting information, kind of downloading as a medium, if you will. And he would say phrases to her, and she looked at him surprised, and she goes, that is verbatim what my father would say. And he goes, wait a minute, what's going on here? So he started discovering that when you do a family soul constellation, you are uncovering hidden old energies swept under the rug, unresolved, stuck sadnesses from war, miscarriages, loss of fortune, emigration. Uh, I mean, there are so many things that um, where people are still in pain, you know, or people who have died generations back, and that energy is still going through the family system. And, and so what this family soul constellation does is it uncovers it. And then what we do is we offer a resolution. And when we offer the resolution in the room, and we kind of develop this outside of space and time sort of scenario, we go outside of space and time. We need to figure this out, heal what needs to be healed in the past, such then the up, the, current time can be relieved of all the pain and sadness, right? Mm -hmm. And so then the person, the client who is currently in this pain and anxious and not knowing why, you know, this person cannot commit to a relationship or feel safe committing to a relationship or whatever it is, when you offer a resolution in here, very soon after, it just creates ripple effects in real time. So different family members can actually behave differently the next day, and they don't even know you had a family constellation. And they might have chronic pain that goes away within three or four days. And these are real-life clients that I have seen um, and, and been part of these constellations where this has happened. So, so that's the family, the family layer, which is very under overwhelmingly represented, and I wish everyone can do a family constellation because it is that powerful. Um, so you can be you and your body and not hold the family pain because, you know, you love your family as much as you do. You taking their pain is not going to fix their pain. It's just going to add to yours, and that doesn't help anybody. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, I am, and, I, and I'm just I'm making some notes here because I don't want to forget these questions. Um I want to talk about each of these three layers that you brought up, but let's start with the, the one that you mentioned last, family, soul, constellations. First of all, when you talk about these pains, these anxieties, these ideas that are carried through families, are they carried from one, fa one generation to the other, say, through uh, an environmental factor? Uh, uh, you know, I, I lived with my mother, therefore am I assuming some of her burdens by the, my association with her, or is it more spiritual than that? It's more spiritual than that. It doesn't have to, you don't have to live with the person. You could grab onto your great aunt's pain. Um, there was one client recently I worked with who had a lot of strum, uh, sorry, stomach troubles, tightness in his belly all the time. Now there were certainly, uh, childhood traumas that he had, uh, he had in his family. He was the youngest. 
everyone was angry and frustrated. It was just a volatile environment. So he was really stressed, right? And as we hear the phrase, can you stomach it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it, these are real phrases that I think we take for granted. But it's, our body is stressing, right? We have all these hormones and chemicals reacting to the emotions to keep us safe, right? So he had these stomach troubles for years and years and years. And part of the work that we did was childhood trauma. And there was a lot of healing there, which was beautiful. And he said, okay, it's better, but it just doesn't feel it. And I go, all right, let's jump into constellations. And what ended up happening was his pain, his digestion was directly related to a great aunt, where the great aunt and the younger brother, I don't know, they were seven or eight or so. And I got all this information. I downloaded all this information, kind of like a medium does. And they were scared shitless, if I may say, uh, because they had messed up. They dropped something down the well. I don't even know what it was, but they go, oh, no, and they were petrified, right? They did not want the wrath of the father. It was like a family farm, and they just were mortified. And, that, and the father was furious, but the underlying energy from the father was, it's a well. It can be fixed. This, you know, and when he noticed in the constellation, so I stepped into the role of the, this father figure, he goes, I don't care about the well. I can't imagine that you held this for so long that you felt this way. I love you no matter what. You're amazing kids, right? So he was not actually at the very base level angry at them at all. And so once those, that relationship got repaired and the kids go, oh, we're okay, right? Then it started to shift. And then actually my belly started to rumble. And my tension in my belly started to be released, you know. And so I learned that my client was grabbing onto the energy. This is all subconscious. You do not need to go to Ancestry.com and learn all this history. You can learn it in a constellation. It's fabulous. Wow. So let me ask this then. Um, when we talk about family in these terms, obviously in a in a physical sense, we're talking about genetically related people. However, in a soul constellation sense, are we talking about a soul group or how, how could you it's make us better understand family. what that is? It's still family, but sometimes, actually often, when there is a perpetrator outside of the family, maybe there was a murder, maybe there was a rape, any, any perpetrator-esque sort of thing. It is interesting that that perpetrator ends up in energetically joining the family. And it's kind of hard to describe, but you have to heal the victim-perpetrator um, dynamic that is, has been translating down to the younger generations. And then once you heal that, then it just falls like dominoes. Okay, and how are we using the word constellation here? Um, obviously, standing on its own, I would think of a, a cluster of stars that make a pattern here. But are we just using this to signify a group of souls that are somehow connected? It's a group of souls connected in a family. Okay. Yes. 
And and the one thing, too, I would love to add is if there is, say, alcoholism or a genetic, um, what would you call it? Not a genetic variant, but... um, a genetic issue, if, if you will, like a mm-hmm. genetic, uh, trying to think of, of some illness that, that would be translated down some kind through of the generation. Um, like- what I have found is that all these genetic issues can be traced back to the emotional stuck pain in the past. Mm. And if you heal that emotional pain, then all of that need to have that genetic information. Genetic information is also a way of surviving, right? That's right. We survive emotionally. We survive physically. Genetically, I don't think it's any different. So if you have alcoholism, which ends up being chronic, maybe liver disease, right? Every generation, it will, it will kind of shift a little bit into something else. Um, and, and so I think when you can look at, you can use constellations to heal illnesses, you can use constellations to heal addictions, um, anxieties, a whole host of things. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it sounds to me like in order to be able to do this, what you do when you, um, help people using soul constellations, family soul constellations, are you drawing on some mediumship skills there as well? Basically, yes, yeah, I am. Okay. okay. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And are these family soul constellations fixed? In other words, again, I go back to the, the a phrase that I'm more, a little more familiar with, which is these soul groups. Are the same souls moving in and out of that constellation? Hmm. Uh, yes. So say, for example, a client uh, does not want to be in relationships, mm-hmm. right, and has a fear. We will say, all right, we will kind of draw a little family tree, and the facilitator, that would be me, would kind of feel for where the energy is stuck because we've seen repeating patterns. We know based on all that history and information, kind of where it is. And, um, and so then we go, all right, let's draw on a little post-it note or a little card, mother, and then father on another card, or maybe great aunt, and so forth. And then another card might be um, the root cause of why my client, you know, feels uh, scared about going into relationships can be very general, and what happens is we fold up the cards and nobody knows what card is where, and so it's a double blind, and you put them on the floor. Um, Or if you have people to help you out, they're called representatives, you give it to them, and they stick it in their back pocket, and they go to wherever they feel they need to go in the room. And it's just astounding how they always end up there are these patterns that play out. And, and so then when you offer this real solution, then people start moving around to the appropriate place where they need to be in the constellation. So, yeah, you, you do have family members, and occasionally you have other people floating in. 
And that's kind of where the, the HUNA can come into play as well because sometimes there are entity attachments to people or families. And, um, and sometimes ancestors are entities now to the younger generations. They don't want to leave. They want to love and care for the, the younger generations. And so when they die, they attach to the younger generations, and that's not the appropriate place for them to be. We're talking tonight with Meredith Herrenbrook, author of the book, Becoming Ridiculously Awesome. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> um, Meredith, let's break down NLP kind of in the same way we just broke down family soul constellations. Uh, you told us what it stood for, uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Obviously, the word linguistic in there has something to do with language, but exactly what we're talk- oh, what are we talking about here? We are talking about how to drill down to find the root cause of what is keeping you from living your life to the fullest. And a lot of therapies stay stuck in story, and they'll talk about history and so forth and so on. But what's very different about NLP is that you drill down to the original imprint and figure out what the structure is. How was it created? What are all the pieces that are keeping you safe and alive right now? Right? That old operating system is still operating. And if we don't want it to operate anymore, we have to give our systems a better offer. Right? If someone gives you really ugly broccoli, you go, I hate broccoli, you go, oh, but now I have butter, and it's all this amazing stuff. And then you go, ooh, that's, that sounds fantastic. And then you, you make the switch, right? So what we're doing is we will end up making the system a better offer that is safe and respectful and something that the client really wants. I can't tell my client what he should or should not want, right? It's, so it, if, and if I make an offer and they don't like it, they're going to go, yeah, no, that didn't land. Okay, let's try something else. What would you like? How will you know you have it? We're creating a picture of how would you see the future. If we can't picture the future, we can't create it. So then we look at the future and we go, wow, okay, so, so what stops you from getting over there? And they'll, you know, they'll do, they'll look a certain way, they'll, they'll might, they might get emotional and so forth. And we go, okay, where is that coming from? Let's get there. And then let's flush it out. And let's offer your system safety because you don't need to survive something that you survived when you were three. It's no longer happening. And then the body starts to calm down and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I've been surviving that for 50 years. Whoa, wow. And then they go, wow, this is kind of a relief. And it's so wonderful because then your body can stop surviving so many things and now you can start focusing on creating the future. When you're weighed down with the past, it's so impossible to have enough energy to create what you want to do and have an awesome life in, you know, five, ten years or tomorrow. So that's what we do is we drill down and we make a better offer. And we do, we use certain questions. And, I mean, we can drill down within about half an hour and find the root cause. So each session you have an amazing amount of change work done. 
and not five years, not stuck in story, not frustrated in managing your stress and emotions, it's gone. Your, your body has, has already switched, and so you can be free to do better things. Can you break this down or, or give us an example, whether it's a client or something that you make up? I don't know if you can talk about clients' problems or whatever, but put this into a real-world context for us, a real example. Absolutely. Um, let us say, I'll, do, I'll give a phobia. I'll give you my phobia. Okay. I used to have total arachnophobia, and I'd had it. I don't know, as long as I could remember. And I, you know, I would see the tiniest of spiders and literally just my body would freeze and I would, you know, I would just practically scream in fear and so forth. And my dad had this thought, Meredith, you need to submerge yourself in the knowledge of the spider. And I said, right, okay. Because <laughs> I didn't want to make my dad wrong. And this, right. is, this is one little thing is kids will never want to make their parents wrong because if they were wrong, then that means that the, their life choices when they're little and having to believe in someone who is caring for them, if they're wrong about anything, well, then maybe they're wrong about other things, and that's too much for a child to handle. Yeah. So anyway, so we always make our parents right no matter what. And so I said, all right. So I watched arachnophobia. I read about spiders, and I was re-traumatized every single time. Okay? So that was my, cur- my previously current experience. Okay. So then I go to NLP, and I'm learning, and we're practicing. And, and so they're like, okay, let's get into phobias. I said, okay, this is going to suck. <laughs> So I sit there and we get into, all right, you know, we, we do our imprints and eye accesses and all these, you know, NLP things. And finally, we, I finally drill down into a memory where my mom is shrieking and upset about this semi-decent sized spider in the corner of the bedroom. And... What my little brain did, I'm seeing this scene. My dad is trying to get the spider and be the beautiful man of the house, and my mom is clearly upset. And now, survival skills are learned, and phobias can be also a survival skill, right? Right. So I'm seeing my mom, and I don't want to make her wrong, and my dad is saying, okay, well, honey, now calm down, all right, it's a little spider, I'll get it, and it's fine. But I see her fear, and I go, well, if she's afraid, I should be afraid. And so I installed this belief system that I had to believe, you know, had to have that experience, so then that spider would not kill me. So I was doing a lot of great things that day. I was making my mom right. I was reinforcing a survival skill that apparently she was exhibiting to me. And so then I could be also safe and loved because if she believed it, then I had to believe it because I grew up in this family. Does that make sense? That's the install. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. All right. So then we go, all right, now that we're older and wiser, are all spiders totally horrible and scary and going to kill you? Well, no, not all spiders. Okay, good. Right? So now we're starting to quantify, starting to parse it out so the system doesn't automatically get triggered into overwhelm. You're slowly offering 
a new way of seeing that experience, okay? So then we start flushing out, okay, well, not all spiders and, you know, of course, black widows and so forth. So, okay, we need to keep certain survival skills, but not, we don't need to get overwhelmed and shrieking and grab the hairspray and a match, Right. <laughs> right, right. But they are still. Oh, listen, I'm just going to say this: they are still pretty ugly, creepy things. Even though, even though we're going through a process here with you. I know. I'm not saying I love them, and I'm going to hang out with them. But I don't have to be frozen in fear. I can just go. All right, there's a cup, or you know, and and let's let them outside, and so forth and so on. So so anyway, so then we install these new options, and we go. All right. So that's feeling pretty good now, right? That's, that's, that's looking good. Yep, that's really good. So then what we do is we go, all right, step into all that new experience of believing that not all spiders are horrible and there is a cup available and you don't have to be frozen in fear and all these things. Now we're going to kind of grow yourself younger, kind of hop in to that youngest version of you that first had that experience and load up that experience into that little body and breathe with her lungs and put her toes in her toe slots and fingers in her finger slots and so forth. Now, what you're doing is you are shifting the neurology of the previously triggered experience and all those synapses and all of that's firing. And now we're going, now we're overlaying the new experience in the same area. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so then the body goes, Oh, I don't have to believe. So then you're kind of resorting the deck. And then what happens is then you kind of keep going over that timeline. Okay. Let's grow up that little one to here and now really, really quick, not conscious thought. Let's just kind of go. And then, and it's a lot of unconscious work. And then the body starts to relax and so forth and so on. And then when it's fully complete, we kind of future pace. We go, all right, so if you saw a spider, you know, that's maybe the size of a dime, kind of crawling, I don't know, on the wall 10 feet away, how would you feel about that? And, you know, step into the future version of you and kick that around for a bit, and then you go, oh, that's kind of okay. And the neurology has already shifted. Does that make sense? So yeah, that's yeah. the basic process of, and the thing is, you can do phobia fix in about less than an hour. Well, I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask you, what is this? How long does this process entail? Is this, is this something that can happen as quickly as an hour, or does it take months, years, weeks, days? What? And 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 how many, how many sessions, how many, how many meetings, how many consultations, whatever you want to call. I'm not sure what you call the meetings, but you know, how many guided sessions does it require to go through something like that? And I'll have to say this too. Um, I'm not going to uh, um, diminish how uh, if, how much arachnophobia can affect people because it affects a lot of people. But I Absolutely. imagine there are other uh, problems that people face subconsciously or otherwise that may be far more complex too. Absolutely, and I will never undermine um, or undervalue the fear that someone has. It is there installed beautifully for that person to keep surviving. Absolutely, because if it didn't work, they wouldn't be here now, right? That's right. But it might be a little outdated. It's like, do we have to run shrieking from the room? Maybe not. People might stare. Is that maybe an over-response? Do you want to feel that, you know? It can be from arachnophobia to 
it's it doesn't matter. It can be the the biggest, baddest, most horrible thing, and that's where I mean it does get into PTSD. The PTSD from childhood traumas to war to anything. It's a way of surviving. Um, the past, and it's so ingrained that now your body is on full alert to keep surviving, so you're always scanning for the threat. But that's exhausting, and you have no space or time to just enjoy life a little bit more. I mean, imagine if you didn't have all the phobias. Imagine if you had fewer anxieties. Imagine you can just rest and relax on a couch for an hour and not have something go, I got to go work, or I got to do this, or blah, 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 blah. It's like, wow, we can take a breath. We can be fully functioning human adults with our brains fully updated in our current situation and relieved of all of that in the past. All right, so I don't know if this is the same thing. But that's why I'm asking, because you'll tell me. A year ago, no one, at least most of us, would not have even considered that we'd be walking around with masks on our face. And when we walked by somebody on a sidewalk in a town like mine, where there's only a thousand people, uh, there's, there's not many people on the sidewalk. So when someone is coming towards you, mask or not, you tend to you know, walk out into the street pass by the person, walk back, get it back on the sidewalk. So my point here is that a year ago, we weren't thinking these things. Now, it would seem odd if, if we were walking somewhere and someone was approaching and they didn't have a mask. In fact, it's almost frightening. And if you didn't make that wide berth, it's almost unnatural. Is this one of those learned things? Are our brains right now going through the process of creating these phobias that you're talking about with this pandemic? And part B to that question is, what happens in 10 years? Do the things that we've been experiencing the last year start manifesting themselves in these ways that you've been talking about? (laughs) These are really beautiful questions. Thank you for asking them. Um, uh, Yes and yes. Uh, Look, I've, everyone has been trying to grapple with this whole experience. And um, I think everyone has, or most everyone, is trying to figure out, especially the first six months of last year, right, what's going on? Oh, my gosh, there's a big reaction, a huge heightened reaction, maybe warranted, maybe not. I'm not going to create any judgment on that at all, but there was a big thing. And then you go, well, I don't have the survival skills. I don't have a medical degree. I don't know, right? And you're getting information all over the place. They're counter. There's some that seem logical, but then they get shut down, et cetera, et cetera. And there's no one saying, look, here's the how, here's the why, here are the studies, et cetera, right? So we're trying to ascertain. Our brain is on overdrive. We're trying to figure out Where's my money coming from? How am I going to get food? Where's my toilet paper? Um, You know, like in California, there was no toilet paper for weeks. You know, I mean, there was definitely uh, a scarcity happening, right? And so we're trying to figure out how to survive this new paradigm. It is a paradigm shift. And with lack of knowledge, it's kind of like being a child, right? Right. 
there is so much newness, we don't know how to navigate it. And so then we get into hyper-reactivity, heightened responses, because we still don't know. If you knew the answers, you would not be fearful walking down the street. You would know that what you were doing was okay. doesn't matter what anybody else is doing, but then you just walk. If you sidestep with grace and you still keep grounded and centered, then you are fine, meaning you are kind of mastering your emotions. But if you are reactive, which I see still so many people doing, oh, my gosh, you're, you're one foot away from me. Put on your mask. Yeah. You know, I mean, I saw one woman, she was bicycling 10 feet away from me. I saw her for a quarter of a second, and she mask shamed me. Oh. And there was no one within a quarter mile, you know, around me. And I go, I'm, so for me, I was, her paradigm and my paradigm were a little different. I go, I don't think I'm going to catch what you have if you had it from 10 feet away right. and you're healthy and bicycling. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, we're, so we're, we're bouncing up against each other's paradigms and what our survival skills are. So yes, we are, I think there's a lot of fear and with fear, you create a lot of uninformed choices And this is where last summer I really had to dig deep within myself and I go, all right, Mary, you you have all these tools. What's going on here? Ground yourself, center yourself. You know enough to be fine, right? They've had the rules. It's fairly, you know, been fairly consistent with the rules of, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We all know them. You're going to be fine. So what's the fear? And we have to, and it's hard to ask those questions, and that's why it's so good, actually, to have a, a um, third-party um, facilitator or a coach like me who can say, be a little bit more objective and go, what's really going on here? If you're not wanting to be fearful, well, then what would you like to be? How would you like to navigate this experience? Because you can still navigate it any which way but, and survive it, but do you want to do it the reactive way or do you want to do it the proactive way where you're an adult, you know how to research, you know how to read, you know how to breathe, eat right enough, talk to your doctor, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, so let's get into the calm centered space, not the reactive, oh my God, this guy is going to fall and kill me. Okay. So this fear to answer part B is how will it play out? Well, there might be some chronic conditions, to be honest, because all that fear is being stored in your body. Maybe you're not breathing as well. Maybe you're not doing enough mindfulness and, and, and all that stuff. Chronic conditions are stuck energy, unresolved energy. And when you can release them through sessions or constellations or Huna work or, you know, whatever else, um, it, it can kind of coagulate in there and really cause a problem. And, and, I, and I see it a lot in my work. And so I do worry that all this stress will um, create a lot of conditions for the body unless we release it and find our center and, you know, go forward. 
I just realized how quickly this hour is passing. I need to ask oh, no. you. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I need to ask you about something a little bit unrelated to what we've been talking about, although maybe it is more related than I realize. You've got two websites. One is livingyourawesome.com, and that focuses on a lot of what we've been talking about. The other is called ghostfreeproperty.com. What the heck is this one all about? <laughs> that is the HUNA work. That is the energy clearing. So what I do is I clear people, places, and things from unwanted energies and attachments. And so that is all the energy work that I do. So I, you know, on top of clearing people, um, you know, in one-on-one sessions, uh, I also clear properties. And I think that's one of the reasons that architecture was so interesting to me is that I was noticed, as I told you earlier, noticing energies and so forth and what worked and what didn't work and noticing rooms that felt uncomfortable and I didn't know why and so forth. So with my training, now I, you know, I help properties and I have so many amazing ghost stories to tell you, um, but I know things are short and I do want to mention anyone who is listening to this right now, go to ghostfreeproperty.com and at the very top, if you, um, I have a free Huna ghost stories that I will send you if you send me an email and um, it is seven amazing ghost stories that I have personally experienced, and um, and I'd love to share that with all of your guests. So they go or to, with all of your listeners. So they go to ghostfreeproperty.com, dot com, and it's at the top. Yes. Awesome. So, so I'd love to offer. Yeah. That. So you have seven uh, ghost stories in this particular um, item that you talked about, but I'm sure you have many more than that. How often? How often do you go out and say to work and clear a property and come back with a story like this? About, well, it's getting uh, more often, so it's about once a week. Oh, wow. And, uh, and they're all, I've actually found that a lot of my clients have children who have fears because they're more aware of, um, you know, energies around them and so forth. And, you know, ghosts can be really scary. And entities can be really scary. So I have cleared a few homes where the children were really freaked out and the parents just go, I have no idea what's going on. They're nice and play at, at school and they're smart kids and everything else and what's, you know, and what's going on. So um, I have been able to clear those properties and they go to bed that night not screaming. At all. There is one story where she was afraid for four years, freaked out, screaming, crying, going to her bedroom, hating going to bed. And, um, and so then she, I cleared the house and, um, I told her, her mom, uh, don't tell her that I was here. I, I want it to be completely true, double blind. I want to know that what my work did something. Right? I don't want it to be psychosomatic. Anyway, so then I called her a few days later, and she goes, yep, you know what? That night, she just walked straight into her room, put wow. her pajamas on, and went straight to bed. Wow. And I was, I was going to ask you, if when you do a clearing like that, if you actually also work with the people in the home um, to help them, to clear them, or help them you know, deal with the, with the clearing itself. But apparently not. It, you don't yes. have to. But apparently you don't have to, if you, uh, based on that story with the girl. It, it depends, because sometimes entities are attached to people. Sometimes they're attached to properties. Uh, it, it always depends. 
Um, but it's especially getting back to the pandemic with all this fear. Mm-hmm. I don't just clear the ghosts. I clear the negative energies from long ago and far away or very recent. Um, and with the pandemic, I would really, really love people to call upon mediums or me. I can actually clear it remotely, though I do love going to the property. I pick up a little bit more, but I can clear properties remotely. And it is so important to clear all that energy because it becomes this weight and you don't see it, but you feel it and you'll go, I don't like that room or I just feel tired in this room. You as a human and a soul in this body are always emitting energy. And you're projecting it out to wherever you go, at a restaurant, walking down the street, your negativity in your car and your road raging, whatever. It's like it creates an imprint on everything around you, especially your home because we've been spending so much time. It's really important to clear it, and and it will liven you up, give you more energy and vitality. And um, it's just – it's a very helpful tool that I hope more people will use over the next months or years. I clear my house all the time, even if it's the most minor thing. Um, you know, and then I feel uplifted. I have more energy. And um, I, everyone needs that for their home. It's supposed to be their sanctuary. Have you ever encountered a ghost and or uh, just a negative energy that you couldn't clear, that there was something more going on? No, I haven't. I've been tricked a few times. Um, the most recent one was actually there was this was really fascinating. There was um, this child was afraid of his closet, and he was eight years old, and the doctor says, well, dude, it's a little old for that. And so I go clear the house, and I, um, I keep looking at this bag of toys, and I go, what, can you tell me about this bag of toys? I don't know what it is, but there's something I just don't feel comfortable. She goes, funny you should say that. And then I start smiling and going, oh, I, I know there's something here. <laughs> and she says, I bought these, some of these toys, you know, online. It was previously owned. And I go, that's not good. So anyway, so I cleared everything in the home, and I still felt uncomfortable with this one piece of, it was like this little plastic bridge for a, for a train's, um, uh, train tracks. And so I check in on it later that night when I'm at my house. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. And I kept getting the picture of a portal. I go, well, that's interesting. I had never experienced this before. And I go, huh, okay, because there were no entities attached to this thing, but there's still negative stuff happening. I don't know why. Anyway, so it was 1130 or 12 that night. I could not go to sleep, normally asleep like a champ. And I go, all right, I'm going to check in. And there, this object was basically a portal for this entity to come out in the middle of the night and try and get the energy from this little kid. Oh, wow. And it was interesting. It was an entity that was felt sticky. It was, all, I don't know, it was just all this information coming in. It was sticky and um, very devious. And um, one of the more interesting and difficult ones that I've encountered, but my job is to take care of the client and take care of this kid. And with kind of that altruistic feeling and having my higher-ups and our higher-ups 
God, angels, etc., go, no, this is not appropriate. You've got to go. And it took a while. I said, no, I'm sorry, you have to go. This is my job, and you've got to go. And finally, it, it left. But it, was, uh-huh. it took me a while. It was very interesting. Wow. I have to uh, reveal something, and I, I often regret doing this on the program because my listeners have an amazing memory. Uh, they all collectively and individually, and they remind me of the, the fact I revealed these things. But uh, you mentioned this boy was afraid of his closet, and the doctor said, you know, he's eight years old. That's a little old for that. Mm-hmm. I was petrified of my closet and sleeping in my bedroom alone until I was double digits, probably 10, 11 before I, mm-hmm. before I was able, and it actually took moving to a new house to do it. Wow. That just gave me all the information I needed to know. Really? You moved and you felt better. Yes. So it was something in the closet. And I've got to say, I mean, Monsters, Inc., I love that movie and it's such a charming thing, but I, there is something about the closets um, that I think are portals, can be, not all children's closets or portals right. at all. But here's the thing. Entities that I've learned, and I'm not talking about ghosts who have not been able to pass over and, and don't want to leave, etc. That's a whole different ball of wax. I am talking about entities who are here specifically to scare you, to grab your energy and manipulate you so you feel small and tiny and scared and have lots of holes in your auras. I mean, and, and they use that energy. You have little peon entities and you have really big ones. And then you have big entities even beyond this universe that are manipulating and playing us like cards. And again, once we get, learn more of this, and I want to educate people, um, about what is going on so you can be balanced and strong and go going forward to where you want to be that you're not inundated with all this negativity and stuff that you don't even know is attached to you, you know? And um, so I think that closet might have had something going on with it, to be very, very frank. Well, I guess I'm thankful it didn't follow me then. Absolutely. They can, but not often. Yeah. Um, I can already see that we probably could have done a whole show on this ghost end of this discussion too. So uh, we're, I'm already um, in my mind uh, saying, okay, we got to get Meredith back here. Um, we only have a few minutes left. I want to ask you about the book. Tell us about the book. So Becoming Ridiculously Awesome is on Amazon. And I wrote it a few years ago because I really wanted to describe my journey and help others who were feeling who are feeling frustrated and stuck and can't seem to get out of it. And I, you know, grew up with a trauma from when I was three, and I had PTSD. I had nightmares. I had this whole thing. I had these premonitions as well, et cetera, et cetera. And then I grew from all of this and through all of this, and so it is a spiritual journey through kind of the, the NLP, the mental layers, getting to the emotional layers, and then finally ending with the spiritual layers. So, you know, I, I help people along understand themselves more, empower them more, give them tools so they don't have to wait any longer. Life is not meant to be just lived 
you know, as a half-life of, oh, man, I, I have to wake up today and I have to do all these things that I just, on part of me loves, but I'm just dreading. I do not want people to live that way, and people don't need to live that way. So this is a, a book about my journey and helping others on theirs. And you said it was available on Amazon? On Amazon, and if you want a signed copy, which I highly recommend, and a personal uh, writing for you, you can go to my website, livingyourawesome.com. And the web- stick it in the mail tomorrow. And the website is also a place to go to if someone was interested in some type of private consultation? Absolutely. And I do one-on-one sessions through Zoom, on the phone. It's very easy, and they're up to two hours. And, um, yeah, I would love to help anybody, um, you know, with what they're going through. It doesn't have to be that hard. That's terrific. Meredith, thank you so much. It's been a fantastic hour. I appreciate your time and, and everything you've shared with us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. For more information about Meredith's work, it's very simple to find. It's living your Y-O-U-R, livingyourawesome.com. And her other website that I mentioned on the program was ghostfreeproperty.com, in which Meredith said that uh, if you went and uh, entered your email address, she would send you the seven ghost stories from her experiences in clearing homes and attachments. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.